Lord God, it is alone in the power of Christ that we are able to stand. Teach us today that when our back is against the wall and the enemies are breathing down our necks, that we can trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Grace to you and peace from the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ, amen. I want to ask you to picture yourself on an airplane for a moment. And when the 737 begins taxiing down the runway, you begin flapping your arms. And you do this for a while, and now suddenly you're doing this. Of course, your neighbors aren't too happy about that, but you keep on flapping your arms. And the flight attendant comes along and says, what in the world are you doing? And you say, I am helping this 737 get off the ground. And she says, uh, uh, you know, you, you really don't have to do that. But you shoot back right away, yes, I do. I'm committed to making this work. And she says, oh, trust me, you can just sit back and relax. This plane will take off without your help. But you protest, no, I've got to help the pilot get this plane off the ground. And you're flapping your arms all that you can until finally they get so tired you just can't flap anymore. How smart is that? (laughs) Kind of silly, huh? Kind of ridiculous. We need to say to that person, it's time to stop trying and just start trusting. Trust, trust the pilot. Well, that's our theme for today. It's time to stop trying and start trusting God who is in control. We're in a series on the book of Exodus called Let My People Go. That is a phrase that appears seven times in the book of Exodus, let my people go. Today in Exodus chapter 14, finally, yes, finally, Pharaoh lets God's people go. He allows them to leave Egypt. But then after a short while, it dawns upon the Pharaoh that by Allowing the Israelite slaves to escape, he has basically destroyed Egypt's economy. After all, they were depending on all this free labor to build all these different cities and buildings. The only logical thing to do is to go after the Israelites and bring them back, of course. And so, the ancient world's most powerful army is now going after Israel. What does God teach us through these rather exciting events in Exodus chapter 14? He's teaching us to stop trying and start trusting. We pick up the story in Exodus 14 verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pihiroth between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal Zephon. Now, God says something kind of interesting here to Moses. He tells them to tell the Israelites to turn back. This is one of the most alarming commands in the Bible. The Israelites have left Egypt, and then God tells them to turn back? 
Are you kidding? I mean, freedom is out of Egypt, and God is now telling his people to turn back to Egypt from where they came. Why does he do that? Because he wants Israel to stop trying on their own and start trusting in God. Now, as we're going to see shortly, the Israelites end up in a rather precarious position. They end up trapped between water on the one side and approaching enemies on the other. They were trapped. They were in a dilemma. Have you been there? Trapped? Maybe you are right now. With your back against the wall, maybe your dreams crushed, your broken heart in your hand perhaps. We say, God, it was going so good. What's the deal? Why do I have to turn back now? Well, the first part of this story is the dilemma that the Israelites faced. Let's just review this real clearly. The, the Israelites find themselves in a dangerous situation. They are trapped in the sense that the waters of the Red Sea are in front of them, and those are seemingly impassable. And then they become aware that approaching from behind them are the Egyptian armies, bearing down on them with all their fury, ready to annihilate every one of them. Life feels that way sometimes, doesn't it? We feel trapped. Life has its various type of problems and challenges. This side of heaven, let's face it, this side of heaven, life is hard. Life is hard. Now, you might be elected as president of the United States someday. You might, in your lifetime, discover a brand new galaxy out there somewhere. Maybe. The Arizona Cardinals might win the Super Bowl next year. Men just might surrender the remote control, although it's not likely. But all of this is possible. But what is not possible, however, is a problem-free life, this side of heaven. Problems are always going to be there. And interestingly, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes God is behind the problem. Sometimes God is the one who brings us to the end of our rope where we are stuck and trapped, just like Israel, with no way out. And why does God do that? Well, we hear the next part of the story, verses 3 and 4. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But now notice what God says. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. Did you hear what God said as to why he set up this whole scenario? I will gain glory for myself, God said. God knows exactly what he's doing in the, the case of the Israelites. And you know what? God knows exactly what he's doing in your situation as well. He is orchestrating our lives so that when we are delivered from whatever it is, he gets the glory, not us. 
Now, Pharaoh saw Moses and the Israelites pinned down, lost and confused, stuck and trapped in this situation. And it says in verse 7, Pharaoh took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. He took 600 of the best chariots. You need to understand that in antiquity, the chariot was the super weapon of the day. A skilled charioteer could fire arrows while moving rapidly behind a a horse that's pulling the chariot forward. This was a, a threatening weapon to any enemy, especially these special choice chariots, the super weapons of antiquity. This next image I want to show you actually depicts King Tut riding in a chariot. Now, to be clear, King Tut, or Pharaoh Tutankhamun as he's known, was not the Pharaoh at the time of the Exodus. However, I think this picture, this painting is rather revealing because in this painting, King Tut, who's in the chariot, wears a blue crown of war And over him is the vulture and the cobra, the signs of upper and lower Egypt. And as he rides in his chariot, his bow is stretched back, ready to strike. It just demonstrates that this was a a, uh, truly threatening military tool, these special chariots. And in our story, in Exodus chapter 14... Pharaoh has 600 of these choice chariots. How many choice chariots did Israel have? Zero. And Israel's back is literally against the wall. It's against the Red Sea. They are facing certain destruction at the hands of this army. There isn't a thing they can do about it, and that's the dilemma they are in. You can almost imagine Moses asking God, God, why is this happening? Why? The answer, so that people will stop trying and start trusting in God. The Israelites are in quite a dilemma indeed. You might say they are at a dead end. A dead end. Are you at a dead end in some way in your life? Are you in a dilemma that has you trapped? Jesus himself knows all about this kind of dilemma. Does he ever? Jesus knows all about dead ends very personally. The path to the cross led him before Caiaphas, the high priest. It led him before Pontius Pilate, who then sent him to Herod, who then sent Jesus back to Pilate. Christ's path then led him before soldiers who whipped him, mocked him, and spit upon him. The path ended at a dead end called Calvary. Yes, Jesus knows. Oh, Jesus knows very well all about dead ends. He went to one for you and for me that we might have eternal life. Well, the people of Israel were at a dead end. And and we see that now they start panicking. Verses 10 through 12. 
as Pharaoh approached the Israelites, excuse me, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. You hear their desperation. You hear the panic. Let me ask you, in what kind of dilemma do you find yourself right now? Has your dilemma led you to the point of desperation or even panic? If so, you need to hear the next part of the story. Because beyond the dilemma comes the decree from God through Moses. And the decree saying it simply was, just stay calm. Just stay calm. It says in verses 13 and 14, Moses answered the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Just stay calm. What a decree. Friends, it means that we can stop flapping our arms, you know. We can stop trying to help God be God. He does that role very well by himself. We can sit back and let God do the heavy lifting, so to speak. How so? For the Lord himself will fight for you, we're told. The Lord himself will fight for you. The battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. Imagine for a moment two cooking bowls in your kitchen, on the counter in your kitchen, two cooking bowls. One bowl contains fresh, clean water. The other bowl contains battery acid. Yeah, who's going to do that, right? Okay, go with me here. Now, take an apple, cut it in half, put each half of the apple in each of the bowls. Leave each of those apple pieces in their respective bowls for five minutes and then pull the two halves out. Now, which one will you eat? Pretty obvious, the one in the fresh, clean water, right? If you will, our mind is the apple. God's word is the good water. The problems of life are the battery acid. And if you marinate your mind in your problems all the time, they will eventually corrode your brain and corrupt your thoughts and direct your mind away from the things of God. But marinate your mind in God's Word and God will preserve and refresh your mind. And what is God's Word for us today? Saying it very simply, just stay calm. Just stay calm. But we're always tending to ask the question, oh, but what if? What if? What if I lose my job? What if my wife's cancer 
actually returns? What if my boyfriend dumps me? What if one of my children is in an accident and is paralyzed or worse yet, killed? God's decree calls us to replace the what if with his word. Just stay calm. That word comes to us in a variety of places in the Bible. One great example is from Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. The word acknowledge can also mean submit. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight straight. Turn it all over to Him. He can handle it. Now that brings us to the final part of today's story. All right, we've got the dilemma, we've got the decree, and now comes the deliverance. And this is one of the greatest scenes in the Bible, one of the most dramatic stories in the Bible. In fact, if this scene is in your heart, it's kind of like having the the key notes of the musical scale at your uh, fingertips. You know, isn't it amazing that with just a few notes, all different kinds of music can be played, right? With just a few notes, all different kinds of music. So few notes, but you have to have the notes. So here are the notes to the song of this story for today. Here are the notes. First, Moses lifts his staff. Then the Red Sea parts. Then the Israelites walk through on dry ground. Then Pharaoh and his army follow. And then the Red Sea comes crashing down on them. I love this image. This is a picture of a mosaic from the floor of a Jewish synagogue in Israel, uncovered by archaeologists some years ago, and it dates to the Roman times, to the first century, that even in the first century, this story of God defeating the Egyptians in the waters of the Red Sea was important enough to put in a mosaic on the floor of the synagogue. There's all the notes for the song, if you will, and here's the song. Thinking back to the Israelites having been slaves in Egypt, here's the song. No more whips, no more bricks, and no more of Pharaoh's bag of tricks. It's all gone. It's all done. Instead, there was deliverance. Deliverance at God's hand. And did you notice when this deliverance took place? When did the deliverance happen? Verse 27 tells us, in the morning, in the morning, Moses raised his hand over the sea and the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. When did God finally save his people from their long night in Egypt? He did it in the morning. When does Psalm 46 verse 5 say that God delivers us from our dilemmas? In the morning, where it says God will help at the break of day. And when did Jesus rise again? 
in the morning. On that third morning, he delivered us from our worst possible dilemma, the dilemma of sin that leads to death, that leads to eternal separation from God in hell. He delivered us out of all of that and gave us the gift of eternal life. He did it in the morning. And when does God deliver us from the long nights of life, when the problems of life come at us day after day? According to Lamentations 3, verse 23, His mercies are new every morning. And what is the very last name that the Bible gives Jesus? It's the bright morning star. Psalm 30, verse 5 says, Weeping endures for a night, but joy, yes, joy, joy comes in the morning. Though the night is dark, morning dawns. Let me ask you, are you feeling stuck? Are you feeling trapped, pinned against the wall? Are you afraid that the depression will never lift, that the yelling will never stop? That the emptiness will never leave in your life? Are you wondering, will the gray sky ever brighten? Will this heavy load I'm carrying ever lighten? Do you feel predestined for pain, asking, will I ever get out of this? Exodus chapter 14 announces to us that our battle is God's battle. Your battle, whatever it is, is God's battle. And get this, God has never lost a battle. God has never lost one single solitary battle, not with Pharaoh, not with sin, not with Satan, and not with death. Because the outcome is inevitable. The victory is assured. The last chapter of this story has already been written. God wins. And guess what? So do you. The victory is ours because of Jesus. So friends, it's time to stop trying on our own and start trusting in God. The plane is going to take off without our help. God has it all under control so we can stop flapping our arms. Moses puts it this way, just stay calm. Amen. May the peace of God which passes human understanding keep your hearts and minds calm in Christ Jesus, your Lord. Amen.